Hello. We want to thank you for joining our Living Messiah family by downloading this podcast. We hope it blesses you and enriches your life. We also want to encourage you, uh, if you can, and if your heart is so moved, to support this ministry by going on our website, livingmessiah.com, and donating to help us to put these podcasts in every nation, every place, so we can bring these messages to change lives, to help people grow in the Word of God. Once again, thank you so much for being part of our family. Shalom. Father, we thank you for the reading of your word. Open our hearts, our minds, our ears, so that we might understand. Help us, Father, to have a heart of obedience, to follow the things that you tell us to do, the things you instruct us. May we be drawn to your words only and not be drawn by any sectarian doctrine or any doctrine that's that doesn't line up with your word. Help us to be true to what you're saying, Father. Help us to be firm in that. We praise you and glorify you in your son Yeshua's name. Amen. So welcome everyone online. Welcome everyone here. We're glad that you're with us today. So we are going to talk a little bit about um, the Torah portion, especially the Aaronic blessing. And then we're going to talk about the prophet portion of Jeremiah. And a little bit, um, I think I have a verse or two out of the New Testament portion. But what I wanted to share and what I'm going to spend some time doing in all these, so I had in this accordance program that I have, it's a very vast program, it allows a lot of mega research. So I had, I had purchased uh, all of the Targums. Now the Targums are Aramaic translations of the Tanakh in Hebrew and Aramaic, and uh, it comes with English version as well. But... It comes with Hebrew and Aramaic where you can actually look at the, the definitions of the words that's being used. You can compare it with the Hebrew manuscripts that we have, the Masoretic text. You can compare it with the Septuagint. Uh, and so it's very interesting because since it's 1 to 2 century BCE, it's before Yeshua. And so there's not any of the things that you might see that would be changing things because you got this group of people that are following this guy named Yeshua, okay? Not that that happened. I'm not saying that happened. I'm just saying this, this is like the Septuagint. It's very old. So it's Aramaic of the Tanakh. Everybody with me on that? That's what the Targums are. Okay. So we're talking about the Aaronic blessing today. We're going to start off with the Aaronic blessing. And... Uh, I thought this picture was pretty awesome. Can you imagine back in the day when David was king and there was peace in Israel? There was an amazing time. Um, and you have the high priest standing and doing the ironic blessing. Everybody's here. You've got people up on the, on the balconies. You've got people all over. Uh, what a great time. And this is just a, I mean, this isn't even close to comparing to what it's going to be with millions upon millions upon millions of people. So it's going to be awesome. And so if you have questions, comments, raise your hand. The microphone will make its way to you. So in verse 24 of chapter 6, it says, Yahuwah bless you and guard you. Yahuwah make his face shine on you and show favor to you. Yahuwah lift up his face upon you and give you peace. So the three clauses that, comp that comprise verses 24 through 26 in this brief segment have come to be known as Brichat Kohanim, or priestly benediction. The benediction evokes the image of a monarch holding court, 
The sovereign bestows favors and grants subjects the blessings of royal friendship. Now, I like that they used friendship because remember, when Yeshua raised the cup and said, if you drink this, this represents my blood, which is the life. My life will mingle with yours. And this, as we talked about, it resembles like the Shalomim offering, which is a restoration of fellowship. Fellowship. And it was the confession of the blessing of Elohim, which was pronounced to the community and which the community was to make operative by its amen. I hope you caught that. In order for what the priest pronounces, in order for it to become operative or active in your life, you must respond with, Amen. So be it. So from now on, whenever we are doing that, if you want those things in your life, you should be saying, Amen. Okay. So let's look at verse 24, the guard. So bless you with material goods, according to the explanation of the sages who interpreted each blessing to confer different benefits, to protect you. Compare Psalm 121, verse 7, which uses the same verb, the eternal protect you from all harm, may Elohim protect your life. I notice that in Psalm 127, it has this guarding all over it. So let's look at Psalm 127. I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from Yahweh, maker of the heavens and the earth. He does not allow your foot to be moved. He who watches over you does not slumber. See, he who is guarding Israel neither slumbers nor sleeps. Yahweh is your guard. Yahweh is your shade at your right hand. The sun does not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. Yahweh guards you from all evil. He guards your being. Yahweh guards your going out and your coming in now and until the first century. No. Forever. How many of you are glad he's guarding you even today? Hallelujah. So in this blessing, may Yahweh bless you and guard you. Keep these thoughts in your mind when we're talking about this and the blessing. This God, He is guarding you in so many ways. I want His guarding hand upon me and my household, my family. I want it on this community. Verse 25. Yahweh make His face shine or upon you and show Hanan favor to you. Deal kindly, literally make His Elohim's face to shine, that is, to experience the radiance of divine presence. Graciously, the Midrashic interpretation, give you grace in the eyes of others. How many of you know that you need to have grace in other people's eyes? You go to a job for an interview, you want favor, you want grace from that person upon you in order to grant you the position, if it's his will for you to have it. Matthew 9, 27 says, As Yahushua went on from there, two blind men followed him, crying out, Have Hanan, have mercy on us, son of David. Matthew 15, 22, And a Canaanite woman from that region came out and began to cry out, saying, Have mercy on me, master, son of David. 
they understood this is the same word in the Greek it's being used here in the Hebrew. They understood this word mercy and grace. They're crying out because they know that's the benediction that the high priest pronounces on the people. They want that from the Almighty. Crying for it from the Master. The expression, the face of Yahuwah is an anthropomorphism for the person of Elohim. For example, in Exodus 33.20, Elohim declares that no one may see his face and live. First Chronicles 16 enjoins people to seek Elohim's face at all times. Second Chronicles expresses Yahuwah's promise to turn his face in blessing to his people when they repent. He will turn his face when they repent. The injunction is funny because people will say there are no works involved. How many of you know that repentance is works? Repentance is your action of of telling God, I've done wrong, I've, I've made mistakes, please forgive me. And he says here, he will bring the blessing if they repent. But you would have people say, no, well, you, you don't need to do anything, it all just comes just because he loves you. That's not what the text says. So the injunction, God be gracious to, is evident in Genesis 43, number 6, Deuteronomy 7, and it refers to Elohim's refusing to show mercy to the enemies of his people. That's kind of interesting in light of what's going on in the world today. And also to the Israelites in Isaiah and Amos, it records the hope that Elohim may show mercy to the northern kingdom of Israel. That would be you folks. In metaphorical context, Yahweh is said to shine the light of his face on his servants and also to give the light of his revelation to his people. I don't know anybody that doesn't want the revelation of the Almighty upon them. I mean, we're seeking the words. We are pouring our hearts into his words to get understanding and revelation of what's being said. I mean, in the church, it's probably the most predominant thing in their studies and in in what they bring out is seeking revelation so they would know what's coming in the end time. Very interesting. Feel free to jump in if you so feel led. So this is, so we're going to dig in now. I'm going to show you what the Targum says about verse 25. May Yahuwah shine his countenance on you when you study the Torah. And may he reveal you hidden things. And may he show compassion on you. Hmm. That's a few things that aren't in the Masoretic text. You know, why would that be so out of place? Because we know that if you are digging into his word, may he shine his countenance on you when you're doing what he's asking you to do. Seek me. Seek my face. Seek my my word. And when you do... When you're studying the Torah, may he reveal you to you the hidden things. 
Are we to presume that the prophets who had revelation, who had the, who just sat out there in the desert somewhere and they did nothing but just sat out there and sing Kumbaya? No. I would say that they were like Yahushua who went out and were in prayer, who were seeking the face of the Almighty for many days in a set-apart state because they wanted to hear from the Almighty. So that's what it says in the Targum, verse 25. Verse 26, Yahweh left up his face on you and give you peace. Literally, bestow divine favor. Lift up his face. In contrast, a fallen countenance betokens disfavor or anger. So instead of a fallen countenance, we want his lifted countenance to be shown upon us. Because he's... he's He's pleased with what you're doing, not displeasure. Here's what it says in the Targum. May Yahweh lift up his face to you and give you peace. Yahweh, may his Shekinah be received upon you, and may he place on you peace. Shekinah, well, this is a Hebrew term in the Targums and rabbinic literature, which reverently expresses the divine presence. May his divine presence be received upon you. I, don't, I would hope there's no one in here that doesn't want the divine presence to, be, to come upon them. It is derived from the Hebrew to dwell, abide, or settle down, and the term does not appear in the Old Testament or New Testament. The historical background for the correlation of Shekinah, that which dwells, with God's presence may be found in Exodus 25 and 40. When the ark of Yahweh is placed in the temple in Jerusalem, a cloud representing the Shekinah subsequently fills the temple, thereby symbolizing its new habitation. Can you imagine that which came into the, the Holy of Holies coming upon you? Ooh, man. Wow. That's what's being said here in 26, according to the Targum according to this 2 B.C. century interpretation of what the scroll they were reading and interpreting from. Verse 27. Thus they shall put my name on the children of Israel, and I myself shall bless them. So literally linking my name with, or putting, or writing my name on them. The Hebrew is couched in a somewhat alliterative form in the Sephardic rite this verse is part of the benediction so would you like to see what it says in the Targum I think this is really awesome check this out and they shall put my name my memra on the children of Israel and I will bless them by my memra now remember they believe that the memra was the Mashiach Yehushua, the Messiah, they believe that's who that memory was. May my name, Yehushua, the Mashiach, be on the children of Israel, and I will bless them by the Messiah, the Savior. So I put, took the piece out of the Targum, and you can see here they have the memra in here in red, but notice they separated key letters. Probably to show such reverence, I'm guessing, reverence for this word, the memra, they separated it by these greater than and whatever that symbol is. I, I'm not sure what it is. Maybe somebody knows. Anyhow, 
So you can see what this is in, in the red letters, the memorand. And the, the bait in front of it means from or uh, from or to, I guess. Yeah, something like, what is it? From? From, right? Yeah. Okay. Any comments on the memra? Putting the, the memra on the people. Blessing them by the memra. It's pretty awesome. I love that. So I'm going to skip down to verse 89. It says, And when Moshe went into the tent of meeting to speak with them, he heard the voice of one speaking to him from above the lid. Oh, we have a comment. Go ahead. Before you get past the benediction, could you go back to the verse that has all 3, 24, 25, and 26 on it? Back four or five slides at the very beginning. So I'm going to read off some of my notes. Which one? Keep going. It's the, you opened it right there. Oh. That one there, so everyone can look at this, because we do this benediction every week. Yep. You speak of the Targum. So I'm going to read some stuff off my notes, because I've looked into this for a little bit. When you look at each one of these verses, there is the word and separates two parts to each of the three verses. Without the first or without the second part, it's temporary. You can have bless you, but without the guarding, it kind of breaks it up. So you have the Lord bless you and keep you. The bless you is the chesed, the loving kindness. Keep you is gavura, gavura, excuse me, power and strength. But if you go on, um, the Lord make his face shine upon you is gavura again. And then gracious to you, loving kindness. Um, again, sorry, I'm looking, reading off some of my notes. Um, when it speaks of the Lord make his face, you mentioned this panim shine upon you. And then in number 26, it says his countenance panim. It's the shine upon you is that you shouldn't picture this as God's face. You, I think you mentioned the shine on you, but it's a picture it is when other people see you and they see his face shining on you. <laughs> then that ties it to verse 27 is when they see God's face shining on you, then he will invoke his name on them. Yes. So it all ties together. But this isn't even the good parts. When you look at all this, God's name is in each one of the verses when it talks about it. It goes into, um, I'm not going to speak numerology, but there are some things in the Hebrew when you look at all of this. Let me jump to it. So the first line in Hebrew, it's, excuse me, Verekaka Adonai, Three words. The second verse, 625, it has, I um, can't read my own writing here. Yair Adonai Panav Alakak Bekaneka. Sorry, not pronounced it correctly here. And then in 26, Yasa Adonai Panav Aleka Bayasem Leka Shalom. The first one has three words, the second sentence has five words. In the first sentence, sorry, three words, 15 letters. Five words, 20 letters. Third line, seven words, 25 letters. You add this up, three plus five plus seven is 15. 15, there's the number 15 is He and Yod, which spells Yah. So his shortened name for yod He vav He. Yod is a symbol of the hand, Gavura, power and strength, and He is a feminine, is like a breath. So this is all embedded in Hebrew. We read it. We say it, but we don't 
I don't think we get it. Um, so the three lines contain a total of 60 letters. 15 plus 20 plus 25 is 60. Five letters are added to each line. So that's specific. Five is grace. So we look at the five. When you think about that, it's like, okay, what does that mean? Um, Yeshua heals the paralytic man. He's on the fifth porch. So it all ties in this five. The miracle happened on the fifth level. Um, going on, the Aaronic benediction, which is composed of 60 letters, oh, excuse me, Psalm 145.14, the Lord upholds, Psalmic, all who fall and raise up who are bowed down. 60 is the letter of Psalmic, or Psalmic has the numerical value of 60. So in that, still, it talks about it. It supports. So the Aaronic benediction, which is composed of 60 letters, is there to give us strength and support. The rabbis say this letter psalmic is like a signet ring. So where does this go? This takes us to Song 3-7. Behold, it's Solomon's couch, the Mita, which with 60 valiant men around it. Of the valiant of Israel, they all hold swords, being expert in war. Every man has a sword on his thigh because of fear and night. The 60 valiant men, warriors, are an image of the 60 letters of the ironic benediction. So it's tying that, lifting up. Um, Solomon's couch. So he's Solomon in his bed. He's surrounded by 60 warriors with swords, the word of God, the memory. The same word, sword, protects us by slicing our enemies. So what comfort to us is a terror to the enemies, all in this benediction, in this psalmic. Um, let me see what else real quick. Sorry for taking so long. I'm skipping over a bunch of it because there's so much just in this benediction. The letter Yod in 24, in the Hebrew, it has the letter Yod is in, is used more than any, there's 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet. The letter Yod is used more than any other Hebrew letter. It's the 10th letter of the alphabet. It's the first letter in each of the three lines of the blessing. It's the only letter suspended in the air. It represents the work of the Spirit or pictures of God's Spirit. It appears 13 times in ironic benediction. It's three times in the first line. In the first, second, and third word, five times in the second line, the first, second, third, fourth, and fifth word, five times in the third line, first, second, third, fourth, fifth word, but not the sixth and seventh word. So it's left out. Why not? If it, 13 is, um, is God saying love to us. Abaha. Um, so the last two words are the vessel. With all this blessing and support, the vessel, the very last two words, is give you peace. So you can't have all these other things until the very end. When you do this blessing, the 13 yodes, which are the hand of God, reaching down that are suspended in the air, when you have all those things, you get peace. So and it's not just the hand, it's the right hand, because that would be pointing to Yahushua, the Mashiach. Right. Yeah. So hopefully that made sense. I skipped yeah. through so many of the pages. No, there's just, yeah, there's so much that. more just in the Hebrew yep. that we don't even look at. We say it every week. We, we read it and say, yeah, he bless yep. me, keep me, does yep. this, does this. But embedded in the Hebrew, in the ancient language, there's the hiddens that we have to look at. Yep. Just as you're that mentioning. points to so much more. Yeah. Yes. Thank you for that, Bob. That's awesome. So let's see. We're... Um, Make sure I get this. Yeah, go ahead. 
So I just want to back up a little bit of what Bob said about how when the Shekinah glory is on you, you yourself don't know it. And that immediately reminded me of Moses when he came down from the mountain and starting in Exodus 33, verse 29. And it came to be when Moshe came down from the Mount Sinai, when the two tablets of the witness were in Moshe's hand, when he came down from the mountain, that Moshe did not know that the skin of, of his face shone since he had spoken with him. And Aaron and all the children of Israel looked at Moshe and saw the skin of his face shone, and they were afraid to come near him. But Moshe called to them and Aaron and all the rulers of the congregation who returned to him, and Moshe spoke to them. Nice. No, it's good. Anyone else? There's so much here. Like Bob said, there's a lot here. Um, I, as I said, I'm jumping down to verse 89. So it says, when Moshe went into the tent of meeting to speak to him, he heard the voice of one speaking to him from above the lid of atonement that was on the ark of the witness from between the two cherubim. Thus he spoke. So the voice, the word is addressing, mid-abair, is a rare reflexive form. Here the word is understood as if God, his solicue was Moses, is what which Moses overheard. I think they're pointing to this voice. Rafi talked about it one time in one of his messages. This voice is the Mashiach. This voice is the memory. This voice is this what was proceeds from the Father. And so another explanation is the Mesorites purposely did not punctuate the word, the usual way to say speaking, in order to minimize the possibility that the voice would be identified with a divine being apart from God. They wanted the reader to know that this voice was coming from God himself. It's him. And so here's the targum for this word, or for this verse. And when Moshe went inside the tent of meeting to speak with him, then he heard the voice speaking with him from above the cover that was upon the ark of the testimony, from between the two cherubim, and it would converse with him. Mm. <laughs> Gives a little bit more umph to it, doesn't it? Yes. Could, also be, could this also be an example of when Paul was spoken to? Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. When the light, when, when they hit, the light hit him, and he, yeah, absolutely, he hears the voice. Same thing. So I want to turn to our prophet portion. There's some really cool things here that I want you to grasp and get a hold of. So if you'll turn to Jeremiah 31. We're going to start at verse 21. Jeremiah 31, 21. And it says, Set up for yourself road marks. Place for yourself guideposts. Direct your mind to the highway, the way by which you went. Return, O virgin Israel. Return to these your cities. Awesome verse. I believe it speaks to all of us here. Of course, uh, you would have to ask yourself, what are the road marks? What are the guideposts? What's the highway? If you think about it, this is the, the guideposts, the, the road marks, the highway. 
are the things that uh, the Torah speaks about. You know, the highway is the, the smooth path, the road, the way in which we're to walk. So it's very interesting when we look at it in another context. Set up, place, direct, return, five imperatives. Yahuwah the faithful husband wants his faithless wife, Israel, back. He wants her back. He wants the harlot to come back. One might even get a sense of urgency, unending love, road marks, guideposts, highways, the way. See, the Almighty's putting all this stuff. Look, harlot, come this way. I'm directing you here. It's like the guy directing the plane. This way, come here. I want you to come back to me. And how many times people veer off the path and miss the mark heading where they're supposed to go? Yes. Uh, Mark, go back to the one before this here. Okay, the road marks, if you're going down a highway, you see the next exit, or you'll see the next town, how many miles. And then it says, because you see the road marks, it's a guidepost for you. Direct your mind to the highway. How many, of you been, how many of you have been driving and you, you're, you're down close to empty, and if you'd have missed the sign, gas this exit, you'd have been in trouble. You'd have been destitute. But because you were paying attention to the signpost that you turned off, and you were able to get the gas in your vehicle that you needed. I read a poem years ago. There's a highway and a low way, and in between are the misty flasks. Every soul has to go either the highway or the low way. Amen. Amen. All these aids, so to speak, would assure that Israel would successfully find her way back to her cities in the promised land and ultimately to her Elohim. It was the custom of caravans to set up pillars, poles, and heaps of stones to guide them. So the exiles are told to mark out the old route to set up signs to help them find their way back. They are to pay heed to the way they went into exile in order to be able to retrace their steps to get back. The imperatives admonish them not to delay their return by wavering. I would like to add here, what was one of the ways that got them kicked out? Disobedience. I must be mindful of that road mark because my way back is obedience. If, if my way out was disobedience, my way back, the roadmark, the guidepost, has to be obedience to him. What a stark contrast with their unrepentant, rebellious heart in Jeremiah 6.16. Thus says Yahuwah, stand by the ways and see and ask for the ancient paths, where the good way is, and walk in it, and you shall find rest for your souls. But they said, it's done away with, we're not going to walk in it. Hmm. Interesting. Here's what the Targum says. O congregation of Israel, remember for yourself the good deeds of your fathers. Pour out supplications bitterly. Set your mind, look at your deeds that you have done, whether they are good. For so you have gone into exile far away. Now return, O congregation of Israel, to the Torah, and you will return to these your cities. Return to the Torah. You want to get back to the city? Come to the Torah. Very interesting. I do want to say that this first sentence 
O congregation of Israel, remember yourself the, the good deeds of your fathers. Remember the scripture says, uh, the, the, the hearts of the sons will be turned to the fathers. So we're, our hearts should be as their hearts were. What were their hearts? What was Abraham's heart? Obedience to the Torah, obedience to God. His heart was to the Almighty, 100%. Our hearts to be turned the way his heart is. Verse 22, here's the English and the Targum below it. Till then would you turn here and there, O backsliding daughter, for Yahweh has created what is new on the earth, a woman encompassing a man. The Targum says, how long will you harden yourself from returning, O congregation whose backsliding are many? For behold, Yahweh will create a new thing in the earth. The people, the house of Israel, will eagerly follow the Torah. Man. The house of Israel, who Yeshua said he came for, will eagerly follow the Torah. Man. Now, some of you might say, give me a sec, some of you might say, what's the connection with the woman encompassing a man? Let me give you a little spin on it. So the man is Yeshua, the Torah. The woman is the nation of his, the northern kingdom. And he says, return to the Torah. Remember the wedding? The woman does what? And circles the man at the wedding seven times. So the northern kingdom needs to run to the Torah and encircle the Torah. A woman will encompass the man. The man is the Ish, the man, the son of Elohim, the one who's the Messiah, the, the man promised from the beginning. I find that awesome. Yes, go ahead. Okay. Verse 23. Thus says Yahweh Zevaot, the Elohim of Israel, let them once again say this word in the land of Yehuda and in its cities. When I turn back their captivity, Yahweh bless you, O home of righteousness, mountain of set-apartness. Here's what the Targum says. Thus says Yahweh Zevaot, the Elohim of Israel, they will again say this saying in the land of the house of Judah and in its cities when I restore their exiles. May Yahweh bless you. This is going back to our, our Torah portion. May Yahweh bless you in his true dwelling, the holy mountain. Wow. Targum gives a little bit more interesting. I love the richness of what's being said. Verse 27. See, the days are coming, declares Yahweh, that I will sow the house of Israel and the house of Yehuda with the seed of man and the seed of beast. Targum says, Behold, days are coming, says Yahweh, when I will establish the house of Israel. I will establish the northern kingdom and the house of Judah. I will increase them with people and will make them prosperous in livestock. In other words, the communities of the house of Israel is going to grow going to get numerous going to keep growing going to keep growing the Sukkot is going to get bigger <laughs> verse 28 and it shall be that I have watched over them to pluck up and to break down and to throw down and to destroy and to afflict and, and so I shall watch over them to build and to plant declares Yahuwah the Targum says, and it will come about just as the I in the Masoretic text, 
The Targum says the eye is the memory. In other words, Yahushua, just as Yahushua rejoiced over them to uproot and to tear down and to break down and destroy and to cause harm, so my memory, Yahushua, will rejoice over them to build and to establish. The master's rejoicing over you that you have returned, that you're, rejo- you're established, you are coming back to a people. The memory is rejoicing. You want to know if the Messiah is rejoicing over you? Here's your promise in the Targum. He's rejoicing in heaven. Look, Father, look at them. They're worshiping. Look at the joy in their heart when they're dancing. Look at them. I find joy in knowing that. It revives me to know that our Messiah, Yahushua, is there doing that. What what an awesome thing. 31 and 32. See, the days are coming, declares Yahuwah, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not like the covenant I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Misraim. My covenant which they broke, though I was a husband of them, declares Yahuwah. Targum says, Behold, days are coming, says Yahuwah, when I will make a new covenant with those of the house of Israel and those of the house of Judah. Not like the covenant I made with their fathers in the day I took them by hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. Which covenant of mine, here's the change, they not broke, they changed. Since the first century, has it been changed? It has. Oh, it's done away with. Those things, you know, we don't need to keep the Shabbat, we don't need to keep the feast. That's a change. It's not just a breaking, it's completely changing what God says. They changed my covenant. They changed my words. It's not what I said. In verse 33, I love this one. Pay attention, you're going to like it. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. Notice Judah is missing here. I'm going to make this with the house of Israel after those days, in the latter days, says Yahuwah. I will put my Torah in their inward parts. I write on their heart, and I will be to them for a God, and they shall become a people before me. What does it say in the English? Anybody tell me? What does it say in the English? And they shall be what? They shall be my people. What's the difference between... I want you to just catch this. In one it's saying, they shall be my people, and the other one is the target saying, they shall become a people. It shows you that he told them in Hosea... I will sow her, this is Hosea 2.23, I will sow her, the northern kingdom, for myself in the land. I will also have compassion on her who had not obtained compassion. There's the mercy and grace coming. And I will say to those who were not my people, you are my people, and they will say, you are my God. In other words, the house of Israel has to become a people. They have to become a people. They have to be a stick. 1 Peter 2.10 says, for, one, for you once were not a people, but now you are the people of God. You have not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. 1 Peter 2.10 is declaring what's said in Hosea, which is also being talked about in the Targum here in, in verse 33 of Jeremiah 31, that there's going to be a people called the house of Israel who is going to be in the latter days become a people. 
And I want to say to you again, I stood in 2015 with 250 people like you that believes in two houses and believes in one law, one covenant. I stood with them in Florida. And we initiated a Articles of, Incorp of Declaration that initiated for the first time in 2,700 years that the Northern Kingdom people had become a people for the first time. And it was a very holy moment. Rafi and Perry were there. A very holy moment. A declaration that the house of Israel has finally become a people. Wow. In its biblical context, Jeremiah's pledge echoes formulaic language for a covenant or a treaty in the Bible and in ancient Near East. It invokes divine utterances such as, they shall be my people and I will be their God. This is covenant language spoken by Elohim. Big stuff. Questions or comments? Raise your hand. Verse 34. And no longer shall they teach each one of his neighbor and each one his brother, saying, No, Yahuwah, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them, declares Yahuwah. For I shall forgive their crookedness and remember their sin no more. Watch what the Targum says. They shall no longer teach each one his neighbor and each one his brother, saying, No to fear. Now there's a difference between what it would say to know God and to know to fear God. What have we, have we been learning and understanding that the fear of God is keeping the commandments. It's keeping the covenant. So he's saying they're going to all be knowing to keep covenant with me. They're going to all be in covenant relationship with me. For all of them will learn to know the fear of me. They're going to know to enter into covenant relationship. They're going to be walking in my commandments from the least to the greatest. I will forgive their iniquities. I won't remember their sins. Now our New Testament portion. John 13, 21. Yeshua had said this. He became troubled in spirit and testified and said, Truly, truly, I say to you that one of you will betray me. The Greek word here is to deliver one up to custody. To be judged, condemned, punished, scourged, tormented, put to death. Matthew 25, 40 says, The king will answer and say to them, Truly I say to you, to the extent that you did it to one of the least brothers of mine, even to the least of them, you did it to me. Same Greek word. My point being, if you are mistreating your brother, you are betraying your brother, and you're doing what Judas did to Yeshua. If you are Lashon Haran, your brother, if you do anything that is bringing your brother down, you're betraying, as Judas did Messiah, and this says you've delivered him up to custody, to be judged, to be condemned, punished, scourged, tormented, put to death, because as Bob and Tammy says, Lashon Haran is putting to death. Death. Let's don't be Judas towards our brothers. Don't be that. 1 Corinthians 13.4 says, Love is patient. Love is kind. It's not jealous. Love does not brag. is not arrogant. It does not act unbecomingly. It doesn't seek its own. It is not provoked. I bet in the last 30 days, not a single one of you has been provoked.
And I would bet in 30 days, not a single one of you have taken into account a wrong that you have been wrong. In other words, oh, there you've done it to me again. Probably hasn't happened. It does not rejoice in unrighteousness, which is what's happening in the world today, over with our brother Judah, but rejoices with the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. So if you see people rejoicing in, in wickedness, is the love in them? No. Cannot be, because this tells you what the love is. And if they're rejoicing in ungodliness and hurting and killing people, they cannot have the love of God in them. May we be a people mindful about keeping track of the wrongs that are done to us. I'll be the first to admit, I've done that in the last 30 days. Might have even done it in the last week. But I don't want to do that. And these words remind me of how I need to walk. They remind me of how I need to be. To not keep track. To not do those things to any of my brethren, to anyone in my home. To not do that. So hopefully it speaks to you today too. Jeremiah chapters, you guys are quiet today. Jeremiah's chapters 30 and 31 show that Jeremiah spoke of hope and consolation as well as trouble and gloom. The people would one day be restored to their land and Elohim would make a new covenant with them to replace the one that they broke. Whereas once they sinned and disobeyed, eventually they would just obey? No. Repent and obey. Churches across America are leaving out the first part. Churches around America are leaving out the second part. There's no, there's no repentance and there's no obedience. If I'm, if I'm speaking wrong, I mean, is anyone else seen that in your lifetime? Okay. Nothing is a stumbling block to the man who has the word, the memory of Elohim dwelling in him, who has Yahushua dwelling in him richly. He takes up his daily cross and it becomes a delight. For the fiery trail he is prepared and counts it not strange, so as to be utterly cast down by it. He is neither stumbled by prosperity, as so as many are, nor crushed by adversity as others have been. For he lives beyond the changing circumstances of external life. When his master puts before him some great mystery of the faith which makes others cry, this is a hard saying, who can bear it? The believer accepts it without question, for his intellectual difficulties are overcome by his reverent awe of the Torah of the, the Most High, which is to him the supreme authority to which he joyfully bows. Yahweh, work in us this love, this peace, this rest, this day. Would you stand with me? Hopefully some of you will get the Targums and read them. They're awesome. 
They give more insight into what the Father wants us to do and how we're to interpret the Scriptures. Father, we thank you for the enlightenment and the study today, that, Father, that you are the one that blesses your people, that we are a people to return to you, to walk away from ungodliness, the Father, that your love is to dwell in us, that we can't keep track of wrongs, that we can't boast, that we can't uh, uh, be arrogant, that we can't do those things, Father, that are contrary to the fruits of the Spirit. Help us to be mindful of those things daily, because it's easy to forget. We get, we, we're so interested in studying and learning more, but we forget about the roadblocks, we, or the signposts, the, the uh, signs that declare us the way that we're to walk. We don't want to miss the exit when it's, our gas is running empty. We want to be sure to hit it right, so we need to pay attention to the signposts, the, the signs that let us know what we're to do. May your Spirit guide us in those signposts. May your Spirit direct us in those, that we don't have error in our life. Continue to guide us, continue to direct us, continue to, to shape us and mold us in your word, your memory, in the light of Messiah Yahushua. Thank you, Father, for this community. The love and joy is in them. And Father, may your peace be upon them, and Father, may your Messiah, the anointed one of Israel, continue to reign in their hearts and their minds. Thank you, Father, for this joy that's here. And thank you for the, the, the desire in each of us here to follow what you say. We glorify and praise you, Master Husher's name. Amen. Now we get to say, Shabbat Shalom! Thank you all here. Remember, our guests go first. Hopefully they're eating. So have a blessed rest of your Shabbat. Shabbat Shalom.